In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Cleveland. That's correct. It is officially our third year birthday. We're going into our fourth season and I'm here with Jack Duffin. Jack, we've been through the shit. We've been through the tough. Now it's our fourth season. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a ride. I, I came for one show and I'm here going into a fourth year. So it's absolutely wild. So uh, thanks for having me along with the ride. It's been a genuine blast. Um, we've had some insane guests on. Um, and yeah, people like Daniel Jeremiah, Evan Silva, um, just to name a few. They, these are sort of people that you'd expect to see on NFL Network, not on a podcast. Um, so uh, no, it, it's been awesome. And uh, we keep rolling. This could be the year. Uh, we've finally got a front office that's competent. We've got a coaching staff that's competent. We've got a roster that is insanely deep. Um who knows? It's it, it's going to be weird because expectations are finally here. Well, we've had Eric Metcalf, we've had Joe Thomas, we've had the Browns organization, we've had a lot of great guests. But there's one regular guest that keeps coming back. Ian, right, right, right. Ian, part of the family. Welcome to our third year birthday. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know, you've been through Hugh Jackson. You've been through Freddie Kitchens. Now we're on Kevin Stefanski, a couple of GMs. It is kind of crazy how much changes in the Browns world in a short time. But now we can take, you know, a couple months off. We don't miss a player arrest. We don't miss a surprising release. There's literally been nothing to talk about for the Browns, except, damn, this roster's good. It, it's, it's wild how far you come. From one in fifteen and zero in sixteen, to now people are talking about Super Bowl. Yeah, well, let's get straight into the conversation. I've been on a few podcasts off season, and I've made a mistake. People asked me what my prediction was, and I said uh, twelve and four, which is absolutely bullshit because there are seventeen games this year. So uh, I'm going to put my cock on the block. And I'm going to be controversial and I'm going to go, we're not going to have a great start, but we're going to get 12 and five. That's what I'm calling it for this year. Jack, what are you looking like for this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying with 12 and five, I think that's going to be fine. Um, I, I do think we win the division this year. Um, I've got plenty of money on that and uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. So, uh, no, I've got it at like plus 190, plus 180 for our American listeners or just under two to one. If you're in the UK, but uh, no, it was great odds. So it was like, yeah, why not? I'm, I'm going to have a bit of this. Ian, what are you going to go with? I think 12 and five is the number. I think this is a team that still does have to learn to play with it, you know, within itself. you got a new defense. There's going to be some bumps on the road. We're going to lose maybe a game we shouldn't lose where it just doesn't click. So I think 12 and five is the number that I'm looking for. Awesome. Baker Mayfield today doing his training camp. Good lad. 
Love to see that. Talking that he's had his vaccinations, which is great. Not that I'm pro or anti, but it's just good that he's doing his bit for the uh, bit for the team and thinking uh, strategically. Um, anything else we took away from Baker Mayfield's training session? Not so much his training session, but there's a, there's a lot on him. This whole season is on Baker and Kevin Stefanski's use of Baker. Um, because we went into the start of last season, that was the big question mark, and it wasn't good to start with. We're sitting here six games in, and any one rational person is going, we probably need a new quarterback. Because after six games, there was nothing there that you went, this is a guy I want to pay $40 million a year to. Um, but we got there in the end. In the second half of the season, he picked up, he played a lot better. He got a lot more, I think, Kevin Stefanski trusted him to win with, through the air. And we saw him several times against the Titans, against the Steelers, where we passed to win. And if you want to be an elite team in the NFL, it's the only way to go. You can run well, but you need so many things to go right um, that it's just not s- stable enough to do it week in, week out, and then across a whole season and several seasons. So, um, no, it, it's going to be a really interesting one to see what happens to the start of this season. Does Kevin Stefanski want to put the training wheels back on for the first few weeks, or are we going to come out of the gates and really go for it? Let, let's let's go and try win some games um, early, and that I think is going to be the key thing. I'm I'm going to have a, a strong feeling either way after a few games, just based on how Kevin Stefanski treats him. Ian, what are you most excited about coming into a preseason? So, to kind of build off a of Jack's point, it's similar because. He's right. I want to see the Browns go for it, right? Because so in the offseason, the Titans go out and get Julio Jones. This should tell you right there. Remember, they already had A.J. Brown. So this should tell you that NFL teams understand the value of a top-tier wide receiver. Obviously, Odell was out with the injury last year. Baker, there's this myth out there that does better without Odell. So I want to see the Browns' offense. Listen, sometimes – it's not going to look pretty, but I want to see development. I want to see Odell in this offense. I want to see him getting into a rhythm. If you're, if you're going to pay Baker, a guy like Nick Chubb feeds off of Baker. It's not the other way around. If the Browns can get off to good starts, throwing the ball, getting Odell in rhythm, getting Jarvis in rhythm, I think Najoku's another guy, then all of a sudden you bring Nick Chubb into the fold and you're going to walk away, you know, four and one to start the season and nobody's going to blink. Uh, that that wide receiver core, um, Jared Mueller asked a question today on Twitter and he said, hey, well, what's, what's your either rational or rational fear going into the season? And for me, it's that wide receiver room because there's n- there's one game changer in there. There is only one, and that is OBJ, um, that you're going, hey, I want to put my game on that guy's shoulders, but we've not seen it in two years on any consistent basis. And that's scary because... A quarterback is a product of his wide receiver talent around him. If you give a good quarterback no wide receiver talent, he's, he's not going to be great. We, we saw what happened against the Chess um, when everyone was on COVID. So it, it has an impact. And that's sort of the, the fear for me. It's like if those guys aren't doing it, and for all people like Higgins, they like Landry, there's not the speed there. Donovan Peoples-Jones has got a lot of upside, but hey, let's not say you know don't want to trust him with 10 targets every game and the first four weeks of a season you you've got Schwartz who's a 
promising talent, but nothing yet. And you've got Hodge that Hodge is just solid. So there's that. If it doesn't work with OBJ, and we're sitting here four games in and that's not clicking, we could be in for a very disappointing season. It's going to be a winning record. We're going to make the playoffs still. It's not terminal, but that's a team that you're not going, hey, we're going to win a Super Bowl this season. And that is a lot of pressure to put on a room that hasn't really ever delivered for the Browns in its current form. They've been good. They've not been great to elite. That's where you need to be to have an elite passing game. Um, You can't do it with good wide receivers. You know, Jack, the one thing I want to see with Odell especially is, you know, Kevin Stefanski last year proved that in terms of designing an offense, and I think a lot of this has to go to Alex Van Pelt and Chad O'Shea as well. Odell may not see 10, 11, 12 targets a game, and that's fine. If Odell sees five or six targets a game, but has four catches for 80 yards, three first downs, but in the same sense, now that safety's rolling over the top and the joke who's hitting him up the seam or people's Jones or Higgins, it really is going to be that wide receiver core as a whole, but Odell plays a role that nobody else does. Yes. Do we want Schwartz eventually to develop into a deep ball? Yeah. But the problem is the guy can't run a route. So he's great in terms of run really fast down the field and stretch things. But Odell has to bring the element of, I can scare you. Even if that means Odell can have one of the best seasons in Cleveland with 70 catches, you know, 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, if now all of a sudden the way defenses have to guard against the Browns' pass game. Because if Baker's starting to pick teams apart, this offense has the potential to be draft Odell in the first round and be pissed off because he's only getting four or five targets a game. It may be because that's just the way Kevin Stavansky divides the offense. That's what we started to see a little bit in Minnesota when he had Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and all those guys. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think the Browns' offense or defense is going to be stronger? Offense, without a doubt. Um, I just think there is so much talent on the offense that it, it has to work. You, you've got the best O-line in the NFL, um, and that makes it easier for stuff to roll. Um, and the defense, there's an injection of talent this offseason, but it's going to take time. I'm not expecting anything amazing from them in the first sort of four to six weeks. They'll be good. I don't think we're going to see great early on. Um, we've got Grant Delpit that we just don't know who it is. And it was actually on Twitter, someone um, tagged us into an article that it was an interesting one just on injuries and what goes there. So um, it's a guy going by the name of Rough Expansion Draft or at Thunder69Red. Um, just basically it was a piece saying, hey, there's not a good recovery rate um, on players with that type of injury and and that's a fair question we just don't know what he's got any rookie we don't we don't know what greg newsom is and and people are like oh but he's this we drafted him in the first round so what um there's unknown with a lot of these players and it yeah we've got john chose um john johnson that hey we, we know he's a really good player we know troy hill's a good player um clowny who knows what Clowney is? We've seen the best and we've seen the worst of Clowney. So 
the upside is massive on the defense, but it's a quite an unknown. Whereas the offense, they basically all played together last season. It shouldn't be too hard to get good. Um, it's how can we turn that into elite? So uh, no, offense should easily outpower the defense, and that's exactly how you want a team to be. Sorry, COVID. Ian, your views? I'm disagreeing. I think it's a defense. I I think the talent they brought into that defensive room, yes, the first couple of weeks, we're going to probably maybe blow a coverage or something, and the offense is going to have to go out and hang 31. But when you look at the talent on the Browns' defensive roster, yes, Jadavian Clowney last year with the Titans didn't do much. But to be fair, nobody on the Titans' defense did very much. I put him opposite of Miles Garrett. I put Malik Jackson. I put Billings in the middle. I rotate in guys in the defensive line. I bring in a guy like Anthony Walker. I bring in a guy like JOK. I think this Browns defense by about week four, I want to see that quarter pole because a lot of people gave Joe Wood shit last year. He made chicken shit or chicken salad out of chicken shit. And that Browns defense, now that it has talent, a guy like Greg Newsom doesn't have to come in. He, you got Denzel Ward, you got Troy Hill, you have other guys that know how to play. I think that Browns defense is going to take off. I think you're looking at a top five to six defense in the league. Right now, there's a lot of teams with potent offenses. So I think the Browns defense will be, in terms of rankings against competitors, in terms of the other 31 teams, the Browns defense will rank higher than the Browns offense compared to the rest of the league. Great to have two different views. Um, I've got one other question. Jack, you called Randall Hugh Jackson. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Anything that's going to be crazy, a bit out there, before the season starts? If so, what is it? Oh, that, that was a wild one. I, I put on the T-shirt before the podcast. I did, I did that one topless. Randall to give uh, Hugh Jackson the ball. Uh, that, that's always going to be my, my podcast hero moment. Um, I, I, I'm not thinking anything's going to be mad. Um, not at the moment. I just hope Baker turns up without a stupid moustache because I wasn't a fan. It didn't look good. Um, no, I've, I've not got anything. I might, I might think of something before the end of the podcast. But uh, there's no way Paul agrees with that moustache take. Yeah, I like moustaches. The horrendous handlebar sort of thing. Yeah. Oh. Listen, uh, complete passes and we're good to go. Who was the who was the Jags quarterback we liked who had it? Minshew. We love Minshew. We wanted Minshew to the Browns all day long. Has he signed <laughs> with anybody? He's still a uh, Jag. Oh, I thought they released him. No, no, he's he's staying. Uh, Ian, any crazy things you think is going to happen between now and the start of the season? You know, in terms of crazy, I I think the off-field stuff. In terms of some of the crazy stuff I've seen around the league, I don't see that. You know, Barry and company, they've brought in a certain type of player right now. I think the crazy you might see is a player that we just didn't really think much of. I think there's going to be, you know, the whole adage of, you know, rising water lifts all ships. You start putting all these talented guys, and all of a sudden maybe like a Greedy Williams or a Taki Taki or a Togi just somebody we don't think is going to do something, I think is just going to burst onto the scene, and we're all going to be sitting there going, wow, we did not see that coming. But, yeah, I think maybe one of our 
our depth pieces, maybe even like a Porter Gustin, you know, all of a sudden he's eight sacks in nine games or something. I just, I think there's going to be something crazy in terms of our depth and, you know, not exactly the headline guys. And maybe Nick Chubb gets a contract and Jack's that explodes. Well, it was on the OBR recently and then uh, Ian Rappaport yesterday, um, as you're listening to this, tweeted out that it looks like the Browns are going to try and extend Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb this offseason, but they're not going to do Baker this offseason. They're going to wait till next offseason for that. So uh, that's the noise out there. If there's any of the players that I would look to extend this season, then I think you can make a fair argument at Denzel Ward. Um, as long as you're happy with the injuries, because, hey, Savian Howard, when he signed, didn't really give any discount for the injuries. The market's now moved. It's not really going to move any time in the next um, 12 months. Joe Alexander will move it a tiny bit, but obviously Ramsey we saw with that massive jump in the market. Whereas we know what the running back market is. If you pay him this offseason, you pay him next offseason, it doesn't change. So it doesn't make too much sense to rush that one. Um, whereas Baker, yeah, as soon as Dak Prescott got paid, Baker's floor is probably 40 million. Um, and that's a lot of money to invest. The one that people are going to ask about is Teller. You think, I know that there's been talk that, you know, he, him and his wife, his new wife, congratulations, Wyatt and Carly on their recent nuptials. But, um, there's been a lot of talk that the Browns are interested in bringing him back post this year. You think that's something they get done? So if you were going to do it, you have to do it before Quinton Nelson signs because when Quinton Nelson signs, that guard market's going to move. Um, but if you're Teller, then I just think there's going to be a massive divide here because he played so well last year and it's a one-off year. Never played anything like that in the past. Whatever people on Twitter try and tell me that no, the talent was always there. It's like, yeah, whatever on that because if he the talent was always there they're not trading him away um jack paul I just, and i were in in paul brown stadium when james campen benched him in week 17 and he went nuts he missed about anybody got to go back two years ago week 17 against the bengals we got beaten you watch wyatt teller he had one of the worst games of an offensive lineman i had ever seen and campen laid into him on the sidelines and told him the city's bleeping ass down and he threw a help he was not pleased so anybody saying he's always had that talent turned to week 17 it was not there bill callahan bill no. callahan bill callahan i, I yeah I, I think that's the question if if bill callahan is the one doing the magic and can take a guy um like that and turn him around then the question is a do you want to pay a massive amount of money because you need to basically pay the top of the guard market because he's going to turn around and go, well, why, why not? I deserve this. If I, if I produce another year like that, then that's what I'm going to get in free agency. I'm going to be getting the money, Brandon Sheriff, um, not quite Quinton Nelson, but up there with money. Um, so pay me at that level. Whereas the Browns are going to go, well, it's one year. We do want to gamble on that one year repeating. Uh, and that, that always comes into the equation. And so I think, I'd let him play out the year and then let's have a look. If we do want to pay him, would we even want to? If he was elite and say he plays nearly as well as Quinton Nelson, do you want to invest all that money? Because if you invest that, then, hey, that's Petonio Tretter going, um, some other people there to pay that because that's going to be a massive investment. And the danger with rosters is you have lots of guys on big, big money and they deserve it. It's not saying any of these guys don't. Miles Garrett, Baker, Teller, uh, Ward, 
But if you pay lots of guys elite money, you've got your rookies at the bottom, you then end up with a really thin middle class. And when you have teams with a really, really thin middle class, they're usually not the ones consistently competing year in, year out. The reason for that is because you get one injury. If you've got five star players and one of them gets injured, well, that's a massive thing gone. Whereas if you have two stars and like 10 people in the middle tier, well, one of them guys in the 10 gets injured. It's not too bad. It, it balances out. So there's just the risk. And you obviously need all of those star players perform at an MVP level. You had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones both had to be in the MVP discussion for them to get to the Super Bowl. And do you almost want Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett competing for defensive MVP, Baker um, there, Wyatt Teller being one of the best guards in the league and a few other players for you to go, yeah, we need that level to compete for a ring. So um, for me, it's risky investing that much money in top guys because you just kill the middle of your roster. And we've seen in the past, Browns fans are well aware what happens when you wipe out the middle class of a roster. Obviously, it was on a bad team we saw that, but that has a massive impact because if you pay one guy, you could be not paying three guys instead. And would I rather have your Troy Hills, your um, Clownies, and your three or four of those players or White Teller? I, th- I think I'd have a three or four of the other guys lean on Bill Callahan. Yeah, I think if you, I remember a while back, and I, I don't remember exactly when, but Joe Thomas was on Cleveland Browns Daily, and they were talking about who they would extend and who they not. And he even said in terms of his ranking that Wyatt Teller would be towards the bottom. And I think Browns fans need to be prepared for this. It's probably going to be ugly because obviously Wyatt has become a fan favorite. He's going to use that at the negotiating table. The Browns are going to come to him and say, our system made you who you are. So it's going to be a, your value is solely dependent on our system. You need to come in at our number. He's going to think, oh, I can do this everywhere. So don't be surprised if that negotiation is a little uglier in terms of the media coverage than say like a Denzel Ward, a Baker, or a Nick Chubb. Those ones I think will probably be evened out. But I kind of put him, you're right, in that fourth slot because no offense, I think Callahan can make a, a serviceable starting guard out a, in a right guard, considering what he did with Blake Hans, you know, Michael Dunn and all these guys. It's just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we go and commit a big amount of dollars to it. So that's something the Browns fans are going to have to look out for. Look, my big shout between now and the start of the season is that I think we're going to trade. This is very controversial. One of our top, 10 to 20 uh, rated players. Uh, I think we're going to trade one of our players away. Mm. I could certainly see it. There's been the talk of, hey, would they entertain um, Kareem Hunt to the Rams if the Rams came calling? I don't think the Rams will come calling, but that that sort of, hey, if, if the situation's there, um, I think it might have players involved in it both ways um, because they could see, hey, we've got, lots of talent somewhere and there's another team that have got lots of talent somewhere else that we do want more talent because we don't know we we could be sat there going in a month's time where they're like actually we're really not happy with where we're at corner you could have Troy Hill is an amazing slot but they're not as confident on him there or they need him to play slot in a nickel so they need someone else on the outside and maybe Greedy hasn't stepped up maybe Newsom they're like hey we're 
we don't want to rely on you week one. And then they're like, start panicking. So um, it could certainly be the case where they look to move someone on and get some talent elsewhere. I don't think anyone's primed for a trade, but I think they're going to aggressively chase people in the market. Um, it's going to be your Ronnie Harrison. So don't be out there looking for your top tier talent. But I think we might be out there looking for maybe some players sort of done two years. Um, another team's looking to move on and cash in on that. But um, no, uh, Callahan turned Hubbard into one of the what a top 11 guard in the NFL, going to PFF last year. Um, so he, he can work his magic. Um, and if he's as good as people tell me he is, and I've got no reason to doubt it because he looks really good, then he doesn't need the most expensive O-line in the NFL to be good. If if Callahan's good, he can work his magic with, I'm not saying give him absolute crap, but he should be able to make a good O-line great. If he needs the most expensive O-line in the NFL to for it to be great, then he's not as good as people are making him out to be. Um, well, we just so- got to watch, we got to watch Jedrick Wills. That was your pick. Here's a left tackle that's a block of clay. Let's see what he can do with him. If not, he turns Jedrick Wilson into one of the top left tackles in all of football. There you go. You, you can tell he's able to develop, guys. I mean, that's that's really it is. Maybe I missed it. I was off Twitter for a little while. What was the whole Greedy Williams trade talk and Xavier Howard trade talk? I, I didn't entertain it because I looked at Xavier Howard's money and I was like, there's no way on God's green earth we're taking on this. What was that all about? It's just people fantasizing. Um, Xavier Howell wants out and people linked him to the Browns and it's like, he ain't going to the Browns. Um, we've obviously got, um, who's the corner? Um, this a free agent left the Steelers. He said- Steven in, Nelson. In the next like 24, 48 hours, he's going to sign. So um, that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. You're talking about Steven Nelson? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, guys, we've gone over our time limit. We're going to go- Back to our usual fast and furious podcast. We've spoken before the show. Definitely be doing post shows and preview shows. More will come out as we get ready for the season. But last question is, Jack, what has been your highlight in the last four years of doing the podcast? Um, meeting you, Paul. Meeting you. Well... Bloody hell. Say to that, mate. Ian, what's your highlight? Ironically enough, people linked me to the podcast because of Braxton Miller and our time in London doing, uh, what was that shot you gave me early in the morning? So outside of that, getting the chance to talk to, you know, Joe Thomas and, uh, and uh, what's his name? The owner, uh, Junior. So... That, those are kind of the fun things. I, talking to Joe Thomas was really cool, so I'm going to go with that. Awesome. My my highlight is all our listeners giving us loads of positive feedback. And, of course, I love the conflicting abuse we also get, which makes me very excited and realise that, you know, it's just a bit of a laugh, a bit of, a, bit of drama. And, uh, yeah, I do miss saying, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.